Welcome to episode 24 of Always Listening. We're your hosts. I'm Josh. I'm Joel. And we are always listening. And this week, we are reviewing Limetown. Uh, Josh, uh, you want to give us the stats or you want me to? I, I got them in front of me. I'll go ahead. Huh? Then you go ahead. There you go. All right. The website is limetownstories.com. That's L-I-M-E-T-O-W-N stories.com. Leah Haddock is the main host of the show, uh, and she's played by Annie Sage Whitehurst. This is a fictional podcast, uh, and we've have we done one of these before, really, that's played out like this, like a narrative? We've discussed the message, but we haven't reviewed it. Right. This will be our first then, huh? Yeah, I feel like this is, I feel like this type of podcast is a trend, and I don't know how long it will last. Well, I think it's going to be difficult to maintain at a high level, uh, so that'll be one thing. I think there is a, I think there's a natural limit on the number of these that will bubble up and everybody will hear about because there's a natural limit on how many of these can be very good. <laughs> well, and then how, how many seasons are you going to get out of it? That sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. The length of the show, around 30 minutes an episode. They're not all 30 minutes. I, I'm, I'm going to say it's sort of like Netflix's 30. Uh, it's like a baker's dozen 30. Yeah. You know, like it's a, uh, sometimes that 30 is 24. Sometimes that 30 is 36. Whatever the, the episode calls for. Um, regularity. It's a little sp- they mostly released uh, every two weeks, but of course, all of the episodes for the first season are out now. Yeah, so you're good on that. I would probably wait and listen until you know when season two is going to come out. You would. You're saying don't. You're saying if you're listening to this episode and you're going to listen as far as we go, spoiler free, and we are going to stay spoiler free for a little while. If you haven't heard the show before and you listen to our review and you're interested, you're saying wait until we tell you that season two is coming and then go listen to it. Well, do I listen to a lot of podcasts, man. <laughs> so you're saying if you when by you got the time the season one, two comes around, I will probably have to go back to. And listen oh, and to the last two. I got gotcha. you, and remind yourself of right. where the story was. I I would imagine that if the if the second season is conducted at the same quality that season one was, then I can't help but think they're going to um do a good job at like recapping us. So you know, previously on Limetown or whatever. When when and well, that's true. You, there will be a yeah. season two, don't you think? I mean, like surely there is going to be more story. It is set up to have more. Yeah, story. absolutely. Yeah, sure. I would think so. And this has been a success, I think, so far. So yeah, I think there's more coming. Well, let's discuss this show as we do other shows. Uh, we break a podcast down by discussing the host likability, the production values, the audio quality, the content itself. We give you some of our favorite moments of the show, and then we tell you whether we're going to continue to listen. This week in particular, we've got a lot of listener feedback that we're going to get to from our Facebook group, which, by the way, you can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash always listening pod if you go there you can join the group i'll have to approve you but i'll do that as soon as i can and you can join the conversation not only do we post uh, episodes of our show but we post uh, other podcasts and uh, news articles that we want to discuss and then the fans themselves the listeners they talk amongst themselves and have a lot of great discussion too yep yeah so go and do all of that but this is where a lot of this discussion came from that we're going to get to when we get to listener feedback but first of all let's try to stay as spoiler free as possible overall josh why don't we do the gonna promise anything. Well, I, I tell you what, why don't we sort of go backwards? Why don't we start with, are you going to continue listening to this podcast in the future? When season two comes, will you go back and, and hear a few episodes and get, get back on the Limetown train? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'll listen to... Man, I've already invested so much time <laughs> into, <laughs> the, 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 into, the season, into season one, even though 
there are things that I don't really care for, but I don't have a solution for. You're right. So, like, it's hard to really, like, bag on it for that. But, yeah, I'll definitely listen to season two, and we'll get into some of those issues later on. Well, overall, did you find that it was a success as far as the story that it was trying to tell? And, and did it uh, did it affect you in the way that you imagined they wanted to affect you? You mean, did I think that it was real going into it? <laughs> no, I don't think they. I don't think they tried to... I don't think the goal of the podcast was to pull the wool of our wool over our eyes and I, well, and be a war of the worlds. I don't. I I do. Like I I really feel like this I feel like it was set up to be like a mock you cast. Well, it, I mean it is a mock you cast, absolutely. It's, right, a, so it's like, a mockumentary podcast. Yeah, yeah, so like whenever like was it the History Channel, the Discovery Channel, whoever did yes, like did the, the, the Mermaid Life of Mermaids, yeah. Right. Like there were there were legit people who believed that. Well, sure. Because they presented it as being a a a real documentary from a brand that had had garnered some trust. Right. Okay. So so if that was the goal, you believe they failed because you believe, you you knew very quickly that it wasn't real. I knew it wasn't real because we we had talked about it, but my wife Rachel, I didn't say that it was real or not real. Yeah. I just said, "Hey, I need I have to review this podcast. We we're starting a road trip somewhere." And so I played it. She for the first 10 or 15 minutes of the first episode 100% bought in. Thought it was serial too. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. And she would have probably have continued to believe it, if not for this one, this this one reason, and this is something that once she pointed it out, bothered me, but I don't have a solution for it. The voice actors are always on. They have a part to play, and they are going to play the hell out of that part. Uh, uh, so you're, And that is noticeable. Like, uh, it is not like... It, uh, they don't nobody answers a question half-heartedly yeah they don't have dialogue <laughs> like real people have dialogue like david mamet writes dialogue the way real people talk which can also bother people right <laughs> right because it's not complete sentences and you're speaking over each other and you do, you don't always finish your thought and and all sorts of other things yeah, and so i think this probably attempts to do that but the actors like there's no like they they're they're always on man I, I really enjoyed it, the show overall. I uh, you know I don't I don't truthfully remember how much we've talked about the message in the past, but I'm going to compare it a little bit to that show. The message was sponsored by GE. It was GE Podcast Theater, I think. But but that was a really interesting, uh, also a fictional podcast. I feel like the acting pretty much across the board was better in Limetown than the message. Oh, the voice acting is great. Like I yeah. even it is the first podcast that I ever went to and looked up to see if you knew any of the names who the cast, maybe or, yeah, yeah who, who was the cast like I, I literally went and looked up to see who it was because it was that solid it it really really is it's a well acted well generally well scripted show and and i thought it was really good i'm excited for season two i'm very hopeful that there'll be a season two sooner rather than later because i do want to hear more of it um Really, as we continue to go into these next sections, it's entirely possible that we're going to break some of the story. So if you want to, if you already think that this might be for you, go ahead and go listen to it and, and remain unspoiled, then come back and hear our review. If you don't mind a little bit of spoiling, we're probably not going to ruin the story for you. The It's the, what what's the saying? It's the journey, not the destination. 
I, th- that is a saying. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the that's what's going on here. Like the the pleasure of this podcast is the way that you get there. It's not necessarily any little tidbits that we might uh, break to you or spoil to you in our review here. But warning, we might spoil it from now on. What did you think of the host? Let's start there. I don't think this is a category we should even discuss or grade okay. or anything on here because there's number one, there's not a host. There right. is. Leah no, Haddock. Not, she's not a, it is not a host in any way, shape, or form. She, she is She is absolutely the Sarah Koenig of this podcast. She is the overall narrator. But she, it's not she is real. The interviewer. It's not real. This, no, is, this, is, this is an actor hired to play this part. Yes. So let's discuss what you thought about the character. What I thought of the lead actor? What, okay, the we character in particular. Like the, what, the lead actress and, and her character. All I'm saying is, when it comes to podcast, host, to me means something completely different than what this person is attempting to do Fair on this show. Fair enough. But she is the dominant voice of the show. She is the lead. She uh, by you know 65 70% she's of the podcast is her. Like well, hey, have you ever watched Castaway? <laughs> I mean, I mean Tom Hanks is not the only dude in that movie, but he's like 90% of it. Would all you right. call him the host of Castaway or would you call him the lead actor of Castaway? <laughs> would call him the lead actor. Well, all right. All right then. Well, let's discuss lead actor likability then. Okay. okay. Can she carry? Are you are you saying is this Can, person capable of carrying yes. the show? We, okay. it, was Anna Sage Whitehurst up to the task that she was asked to do? Yes. I wholeheartedly agree. I think she was and I think not to bag on, and I'm glad I don't have the name on the tip of my tongue, but the lead character for the the reporter, as it were, the podcaster in the message, I don't think was up to the task of leading that over the over the whole course of the series. She was not the best actor in the series and was outshone at several moments. So there's a couple of hats that Leah Haddock has to wear sure. in this show. She does the interviews with other characters in the show. She has these little one-minute to two-minute updates that happen about every two episodes. There's one of those. Yeah, like a corporate message. Yeah, and then she also has to do the lead-in. And then she has to do the lead out to, to put the whole package on an episode. It's almost like she's the host. No, dude, there's no, oh my goodness. There is no way that she's not, look, I actually have, a, actually have a, actually had, I don't care if it's snobby of me. I don't care if it's elite of me. I don't care if it's stuck up of me. When you said podcaster, I really want to call bullshit. <laughs> she's not a podcaster. She's not a podcaster. <laughs> The character is a podcaster. I don't think the character is a podcaster either. I think she is a audio journalist. Who is hosting a podcast. I don't think... Do they even mention podcast in <laughs> the show? Do. I yes. don't think they do. Yes, they do. I think do. they say dear listeners. Okay. All right. Maybe so. But the point is, we both liked her. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on then to production values. Let's talk about the way they put the show together. You've actually got a clip for this, don't you? No, I have a clip of... I thought your favorite line... It has nothing to do with production values. It's just my favorite line. When they transition, like there's the music under it and all this stuff. I mean, you'll be able to hear that when we play these clips. I'm bummed that I did not get a clip specifically of production value. Whoever does the production on the show... Oh man, it's I love. Yeah, like, it's, it is amazing. Like even whenever she's doing interviews, and and the person she's interviewing is having to flip through papers, or there's outside noise. Like here, here's what happens: the person who is in charge 
of putting the editing everything in does an amazing job of creating the a full environment yeah the soundscape yes yeah absolutely no it's and like the like the level of production here is what i you know a couple of episodes ago jonathan oaks mentioned in listener feedback that he sort of uh didn't like that gimlet media made sampler because he thought that's the kind of show that independent people can do easily and gimlet should do something that's a little a little harder this is something that only a team with real backing can can get done this is a show for a staff yeah i, f- I feel like and look i can't even really remember all of the shows that we have reviewed but i feel pretty oh I, I, you know what i feel 100 okay with saying that uh, as a whole, this show is my favorite produced show. I I mean, maybe, maybe I like the Kitchen Sisters, um, Fugitive Waves better as far as a, a better produced show, but it's close. Like, this show is amazing. This show is amazing. We'll agree to disagree. Fugitive Waves is like sound movies, man. Like, that's their whole thing. Like, I don't. That's pretty I, well done. I love the, I love Fugitive Waves. But it's... it's I don't agree with what you're saying. All right, fair enough. So, uh, audio quality, uh, I don't think we're going to have a lot to say about this, but you, you get the idea. I mean, this is a top-notch show from, from top to bottom. Yeah. I, don't, I don't remember hearing anything as far as any issues. Even the interviews sounded like they were did it bother, so did it did it bother you whenever they did phone interviews and they dumped the quality to make it sound like oh, a real phone uh, interview i thought i thought about you whenever they would do that no i see here's the thing because their their dumbed down quality was so much better than a normal phone call is like i i was fine they were all intelligible like they didn't make it where you couldn't hear them and couldn't understand them and to maintain the authenticity to continue the suspension of disbelief you would have had to have done it so i'm fine with it uh that takes us to the content itself let's talk about this story all right I'm going to start with my first clip, my only clip, as a matter of fact, for this show, because I didn't want to give a whole lot away. Uh, but in episode three, there is, as you mentioned, one of the interviews. She she comes across many different people in the course of her research and her investigation of Limetown. And one of those people uh, she talks to uh, about nine minutes into episode three or so. And and. I love the way that he describes Limetown. And to me, he's not just talking about Limetown, the place. He's talking about this podcast itself and the way this story is being told. You're taking it real meta. I, well, I I think this is pretty meta. I think this is the, you know, the authors and the writers speaking directly to the audience. So here is that bit right now. Limetown was purposefully constructed to keep everyone in the dark. Divisions of labor, physical proximity... <laughs> gobbledygook project names, work shifts, NDAs. Okay. What I'm saying is, you'll get there when you get there. Wherever it is you're supposed to get. I know some things. I don't know other things. So what was your role? Ah, roles. We all have a role. And it is so important to you, yada, yada. Right. I love that. I know some things. I don't know other things. That's exactly the way I feel at the end of the, the so, podcast. I'm not going to disagree with your thought on that clip, right? I, I think if that's the case, that's pretty cool. But that clip is exactly how I feel about the new podcast from the Night Vale guys. 
Alice, Alice isn't dead. Alice isn't dead or Alice is dead? I thought no, it, was it definitely isn't dead. isn't dead. I'm pretty sure it's Alice isn't dead. I've listened Alice to the first two dead. episodes. That's exactly how I feel. I don't know if I'm going to listen to a third. <laughs> All right, then. Well, you know, I was not a... I, I, contrary to popular opinion, I was not really a fan of Welcome to Night Vale. Uh, I mean, it's a well-done show. It's just not for me. So I have not been tempted to go and try out the new show. But I, I should give it a listen, I suppose. You should get at least give it a listen. Yeah. All right. All right. So overall, I think that the storyline of this was constructed in such a way, like I wonder if did it, did it need to be so many episodes, for instance? Like I do feel at times like it, it was specifically set up to just keep us moving in circles. So I will say that, yeah, maybe it didn't, like five episodes, six episodes, maybe. It's probably enough to tell the story. But here's what happens if you do that. There are... Even in a good show, right? This is a good show. We both agree Limetown is a good show. But if you cut down the time, you're going to miss gems like this. But as someone with a background in science, didn't he understand the need for a control group? Of course. Logically, you can ask that now, but the mentality at the time... I went through a Planet of the Apes phase a couple of years ago. I know, who goes through a Planet of the Apes phase? I'm, I'm boring, so sue me. <laughs> And on one of the director's commentaries, he talked about when they were on lunch, all the different primates sat together. The chimps sat with the chimps and the gorillas with the gorillas. A bunch of guys in costume. But why? Who knows? These things build. So I'd never even thought about this before, but that 100% paints, paints a picture in your head. Like you're able to easily grasp that concept of the same but separate. Yes. Right? Like, the haves, the have-nots, we're all living together, but we're not even hanging out together. And I think that shows, I, I think that that paints a very rich and deep field to pull from going forward or thinking about other things that this show brings up. And I hadn't thought of that before. And it seemed like, why, like, why would the gorillas hang out with the gorillas, the orangutans hang out with the orangutans. Well, but, but you you have never seen the original Planet of the Apes movies, right? Like, you've only seen the yeah, reboots. Yeah, sure. Okay, so so in the new ones, like, effectively, all of the primates get smart uh, through the drug or the disease or whatever, right. and they all get equally smart. In the in the original, like, society has, has stratified, and there's a very hard class system. So, like, the chimpanzees are a certain kind of animal. And they, in, in this case, I think they're, like, mostly, like, scientists and artists and things like that. And the baboons are all the bureaucrats and the politicians, and the gorillas are all, the, like, the warriors and the soldiers. And I think it's very natural... Like, I mean, you and I haven't done movies, but we've done plays before. Like, you do a play like uh, Peter Pan, for example. Yeah. The pirates sit with the pirates. And even when, like, you're all in the green room and the Lost Boys are around, too, maybe some of that's age, but some of it is just literally, like, you begin to take on certain characteristics of the us-against-them thing. Like, and you... It's very easy easy to internalize okay, so, those, even when you're playing make-believe. Okay, so... Uh, me- I see what you're saying, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because the way that theater is done, it's very much structured that way. So, for example, odds are your dressing room is going to be a dressing room with other pirates, and they structure it that way to keep because it's easy to keep a handle on everybody. So, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know if people 
are necessarily creating that themselves in theater as much as the environment creates that for them to where in the Planet of the Apes things, even if everybody is segmented, I don't think I, I don't think it's uh, done necessarily. I don't think they go, send in the chimps and we're only going to shoot the chimps. All right, now send in the orangutans and we're only going to shoot the orangutans and these two shall not mix. I think they're probably like, hey, man, send uh, send uh, the monkeys over and then they'll come over. They're they're apes, not monkeys, Josh. Come on. <laughs> the come point, on. The, the point monkeys is... Monkeys have tails. The, the point is, I see what you're saying, yeah. but I think that that is more of a construct of the system than it is from people autonomously choosing that. So let me let me switch lanes here just a little bit and ask you about the story itself, the twists and the turns of the thing. Were they satisfying to you? Did you did you see everything coming? Do you think they landed in particular? The thing to me, the reason I'm asking you this, the the thing that didn't land, really the only thing in the show that didn't land very well to me is the big twist. How the main character, how the lead is connected to Limetown so directly. I don't know if if maybe the actress didn't sell it appropriately. Maybe I'm just a doofus. Maybe I saw it coming ahead of time. I don't know. But it didn't, there should have been, that should have had weight. And it didn't have weight by the time it got there to me. Did everything land think, for you? Uh, I don't think that particular storyline, or I don't think that particular revelation was meant to really... It, it wasn't supposed to have be a hard hit at that point. No, think? I think it was. I think it's what was necessary to get you to listen to season two. Season two. You think that's just about a tease? Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe so. Maybe maybe that's what it was. Well, in that case, then the tease didn't have me particularly uh, tingled. I don't know. D- did you have any other don't miss moments or anything? Oh, that you- yes, I do have a don't yes. miss moment. This is <laughs> this is probably my favorite line. Out of any podcast we reviewed, and it's something that I have now started using often. Okay. And it's this right here. You seem different. From our first contact, you did not seem friendly. Well, I am vast. I contain multitudes. Dude, now that anybody calls me on any of my BS, I simply just tell them, hey man... I'm vast and filled with multitudes. I'm, I contain multitudes. All right. Let's get to our listener feedback, Josh. Ooh. Uh, and this time, no listener feedback about podcasting, no listener feedback about our show, just listener feedback about Limetown. This is all great stuff from uh, almost entirely from our Facebook group about Limetown. One email first, Greg Shelton, he wrote in. He, uh, he wrote in. He said, in a way, the show was a victim of its own initial success. The fairly faithful radio style the show took during the few episodes became less and less believable as the plot opened up and the acting and the script became much less realistic. Yeah. So so because it was so natural to begin with, as soon as they started talking about aliens or, or uh, you know, sci-fi uh, tendencies or whatever, as soon as it got a little X-Files... It was clearly fake, and therefore there was that incongruity or whatever. Do you think they could have done it and kept it more true to reality, and have kept it go like have duped people longer? I possibly like you could have done a slow burn. The slow burn it would have taken years to get to the revelations that they got in you know six episodes. You would have had to have done ten or twelve episodes a season for three or four years, I think, to build up to slowly 
and maybe you could have had like but but then the problem there is the longer that this exists out in cyberspace the quicker someone would be able to or the more easily someone would be able to trace the dots and show conclusively that it wasn't uh real you see what i'm saying like the well, think about like the um, yeah, but if you get somebody, if you have think somebody, about the Blair Witch Project, right? But if you have somebody out there who is who is taking their try, time to prove that this is isn't real, you won. Oh yeah, I guess I, I mean I guess so. But like you think about the Blair Witch Project when that came out, part of the marketing was literally a word of mouth. Hey, this is a real thing this because it's never been done before. R- yes, but not only had it never been done before, but the internet was just in its infancy, and so we didn't like the instantaneous sharing of information was not the same as it was now. You couldn't go to Snopes, for instance. You couldn't go to Snopes. You couldn't go to Facebook either, right? Like you couldn't get on Facebook, and and everybody in your newsfeed would immediately know the experience that you just had any, or they know that you saw the actress in Canada somewhere filming something else. So people could not automatically find out that Batman versus Superman or Superman versus Batman is terrible, but it still <laughs> makes like 500 million its first week. This podcast is not in, in such a weird place. Let's continue though. Greg Shelton has more to say here. Greg says at that point when it got a little out of hand, when it was really absurd, he says, I wish that they had just dispensed with the real life angle and continued the show as a straight out drama. What would what would you think about that if halfway through the podcast they dropped the mockumentary angle altogether? You can't. And you ju- it was just a radio you can't, drama. You can't. Do you think you could do I mean, I'm sure there are Dude, such that's things. like eating a gummy bear and right before it's finished, it turns into a sour patch kid <laughs> maybe so all right i wanted a gummy bear bro i started eating a gummy bear so think about the thrilling adventure hour okay sure is there a podcast like that but played straight so the thrilling adventure hour they get to do the old time radio style and it's it, it's not corny because they are playing the whole thing for laughs could you do a straight radio drama without the mockumentary in to not make it corny. Like that's obviously that like they conceived of, Hey, I want to tell this story. I want to do it in audio, not in, in a video fashion. I don't want to write a novel. I want to tell this in, in an audio fashion. And then they decided I can't make an, a radio play. I'm going to make a fake podcast. Was that because you can't do it without being cheesy? No, I think people, I think, I think you could do. I think you, you could, could still do, do a straight radio drama. Yeah. So you look at the thrilling adventure hour, and it's all it's radio drama, but it's all like for funsies. Yeah. And then you look at um, Welcome to Night Vale. It's a radio drama, but it's played for weirdsies. Yeah, but that I feel. So like you could straight, do it for straightsies. Maybe. Maybe that's the question that I'm asking. Dude, it I, is free and people have time. You could definitely do it. Now, are you asking, will it be successful? That's what I'm asking. That's what I'm asking. If I, someone is talented enough and puts the time behind it, yes. Okay. I would love to hear if you know of a straight radio drama. A, a, and when I say straight, I mean a dramatic, something not like Days of Our Lives, but something played for either melodrama or played for uh, horror or, you know, thrills or whatever. Maybe it's an adventure story. Like a, I'm wondering, could you do a, Dude, isn't that what, it, I mean, you're, you're talking about done for horror, but isn't that what the no sleep podcast does? Yes, but that is individual stories. And then all the ones that we heard anyway, had a first person narrative bent. So it's, I just want you to know I'm if you say yes, and then you say, but you said, yes, I don't, 
care what you say. Fair after enough. That. Fair enough. All right. If I had been working, Greg continues, if I had been working on the show, I would have liked to have tried something daring, like calling up a real governmental department and asking, what do you know about Project Limetown? That would have been fun if they had gotten real audio of, of a government official denying it. Or I don't know. That's There is no such project. There was no such project. I wonder what the legalities of that would be. That's a good question. Uh, I think that the show could have benefited from mixing in a little found audio as a means to make it more realistic. Also, the main premise... Found, found audio? <laughs> How do you well like that for instance you call up a you call up a detective but that's not found well but it's real it's real audio created audio somebody somebody's just dropping digital files left and right on the ground uh he says also the main premise that 300 plus people did i get that right i think that's about right it's 300 and change in the town uh could disappear and simply become yesterday's news never sat right with me i agree 100 percent. yeah we would yes. remember it. we would talk 100%. about that a lot more than they yeah. do in this universe top marks for effort from what i think is an independent podcast though uh justin corbett says it takes a lot to unsettle me i'm a huge horror fan and really a fan of any kind of dark stories limetown managed to unsettle me more than once but the most unsettling was at the end of episode four those last few seconds stuck with me for a while i'm thoroughly impressed with this show that's the that's the episode that ends with is that the 911 call or the uh, break-in it's not the 911 call it's the phone call when they call her and warn her that they're coming oh you know what that made me think of what um it made me think of lost highway Yes. Uh, whenever the guy is at the party and he says, call your house, and the guy he's talking to answers the phone at his house. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I I agree. That was, it was it's, like, that's the moment to me that hooked me. Until then, I'd been sort of lukewarm on the show. Yeah. But that moment was clear. There is a, anytime, truthfully, there is like a dark organization at play that's like behind the scenes pulling the strings. Playing shadow games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime that's the case, it's probably a story that I'm going to be in on. So, you know, uh, Limetown, uh, National Treasure, uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, Macy Jones says, uh, I was listening I was listening to episode four when I was flying home from Portland. The phone call at the end, especially the noise after don't try to run made me scream i listen to horror podcasts almost exclusively and that was one of only a handful of times a jump scare got me um, i don't uh it wasn't scary so i i i didn't think so either and i'm generally pretty afraid like cat, lore is far more frightening i strongly agree there are so many times that i have to stop lore because i'm in a situation where I cannot handle a scary podcast right now. Like I'm, it's dark. I'm alone. I'm walking the dogs. I'm, uh, you know, on a dark backcountry road or something. Like I, many times I've turned lore off. I never had to turn. So uh, recently, the, I got a road bike. I need okay. to get healthy, right? And I ride it around the lake. Okay. And sometimes I don't get off work till late. So sometimes I'm riding around the lake as the sun is like setting and it's getting dark. And I'm gonna if I'm listening to Laura, I'm like, I got to put in these last couple of miles quick because I do not want to be stuck out here in the dark. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so Alexander uh, Adams, the uh, writer, the creator of Smash Cut Cast, which is our, I think we mentioned that on the last episode, right? That we've added that to the network. Now we've got a new podcast on uh, the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find links to it at alwayslistingpod.com. But Alexander says, I wish that you had come to Limetown before the message. Uh, I had mentioned that I listened to the message first and then I started listening to Limetown because I like the message. He said the message presented radio drama, particularly dramatic sci-fi, in such a cheap way that I fear a lot of listeners have been inoculated to the nuances of the genre. Uh, 
um, I, I, I told him maybe, you know, but to me, I swallowed the message almost entirely like in one sitting or, or in maybe two sittings and I really enjoyed it. And I did Limetown pretty much the same way too and enjoyed it as well. I didn't think that it, it knocked me down. Um, he also suggests that we check out EOS 10. That is a comedic sci-fi podcast that he really enjoys. You heard of that one? No. No. I'm sure either. future me has though. Yeah, absolutely. You have now. <laughs> and that concludes our listener feedback for this episode of Always Listening, our review of Limetown. If you've got something else you'd like to say about Limetown, we'd love to hear from you in our uh, Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash Always Listening Pod. Josh, you got anything else to add? A couple of things. The next podcast we are going to review is Caustic Soda. Whoever suggested that show, thanks, because that is my new favorite podcast. So, uh, Caustic Soda was actually suggested by uh, a couple of different people at a couple of different times, but I'm, I'm going to pull up the name here for the most recent person to suggest it. And let's see, it was Sean Wright. So, he requested this actually last April. I was about okay. to say it's been on the docket for it's been yeah. on the, I feel like it's been on the docket for like six months and you keep bringing it up keep bringing no, it up a long time long time we and was, I keep poo pooing it and putting it off and putting it off and suggesting something else right it it was supposed to be in the list for November for listener appreciation yeah, month yeah. and then it got pushed out of that list and then of course we got slow in December and January and so here we are but it's coming up it is next you liked it quite a lot it is it literally is my as far as new podcasts go that I'm that I've discovered or found or listened to. It's my favorite of those. Um, and secondly, um, you know, there's a lot of way to support podcasts out there. Uh, some people are doing projects like vinyls uh, that you can purchase to help um, those guys out financially. There's always Patreon support that you can do. Um, there are like the Max Fun Drive or the Radiotopia Uh drive those different things that they do which is great but there's nothing more important than a podcast or there's nothing more important than a podcast than receiving feedback from your listeners whenever they love your show and appreciate what you're doing and that costs nothing but your time so that's what i ask you to do this week whatever your favorite podcast is whatever your new favorite podcast is Go out, give them an iTunes review, send them an email, let them know. And if you heard about them through us, let them know that too. Absolutely. Great idea, Josh. Thank you for that. And thank you for listening. We will be back with episode 25 of Always Listening very, very soon as we review Caustic Soda. In the coming weeks, you're going to hear our review of The Life of Caesar. You're also going to hear our review of The Language of Bromance and so much more. It's all ahead on Always Listening. Until our next episode, we've been your hosts. I'm Josh. I'm Joel. And we are always listening. Yeah, I know I ain't seen it all.
Always Listening is a proud member of the Two Guys and a Rogue Network. You can find more great reviews and our full list of episodes by searching for Always Listening in iTunes or Stitcher. Or go to blogtalkradio.com slash alwayslisteningpod. Find us on Facebook and Twitter as well, Always Listening Pod, and email the show, alwayslisteningpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Enough by Bethany Rayburn. Two guys and a rogue. I'm one guy. I'm the other. And this is The Network.